I can be seated. If you'll go ahead and find your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8 today. Somewhere in the room, there's a conversation going on in someone's head that says, isn't that nice? The pastor has jeans and a t-shirt on today. I'm just not sure about this. Jesus preached in a suit. Well, one of our core values as a church is that we pass the baton of faith, and as the students go off to camp, uh, we're supporting them. And I want to encourage our church to always have that spirit that says the faith has to be passed to the next generation. The The faith has to be extended. And by the way, did you, do you know the story of the logo? How many of y'all know the story of the logo? So this logo became our church logo about 13 years ago whenever we launched murphychurch.com, and uh, it actually has some symbolism. I won't go long on this, but uh, so it's supposed to represent like the, the empty tomb, the stone, and then the cross is in the middle. So you have the story of the gospel. You could actually share the gospel with the church logo because you have the cross and the empty tomb there. And then you also have the different pieces of the mosaic that all come together around the cross, which represents us, the church, that uh, we come from different backgrounds, different perspectives, different ethnicities, yet we all come together because we have the commonality of Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we kind of put this logo together a few years ago, that was the meaning. And, you know, time goes by, people start attending the church, and I find, well, they've never really heard that story before, but you can, you can take the story of the logo, and you can tell somebody the story of the gospel. So in Romans chapter 8, where we have been working our way through over the last several weeks in this series that we're calling Resonance, and we've been talking about how uh, life is more than just the moment that you have, that God's sovereignty has been working in your life previously, and he's taking your story, desiring to use it for his glory, and the moment that we have today is connected to what he has brought us through in the past, and it also pushes us towards the future in faith, hope, and love, because we know that God has created us on purpose for a purpose. You are not an accident, and he is driving us to live our lives in the beauty of faith with hope in something that goes beyond the temporal, understanding that the final destination, the eternal destination, of our lives is going to be his love in heaven. And so when we come to the end of the chapter in verse 33, there is this incredible paragraph that we're going to spend some time in over the next couple weeks. But this paragraph begins with a question right there. Actually, I guess I'm, uh, I'm in verse 35. Who can separate us? I'm sorry. Let me back up. I'm having a uh, mental freeze here. Let's go back to verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? So he's, he's asking a conclusion, concluding thought here. All right, so what then are we to say about these things? And he's actually asking us about all the things that he's been describing in the book of Romans. If you've never read this book, it is a deep dive in theology, and I encourage you to read it this week. When I was a small boy, I was attending Vacation Bible School, and at the end of Vacation Bible School, the, uh, the guy that was leading it said, if you would like to come and know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come forward right now, and we'll take you down the Roman road. 
I didn't know what the Roman road was, but I knew that the Romans were the ones that crucified Jesus. And so I was like, I do not want to go down the Roman road. Whatever that is, I don't want to come forward and go down the Roman road. You say, well, what is the, the Roman road? Well, the book of Romans does this deep dive on this doctrine that theologians call soteriology. Soteriology is simply a fancy word for the study of salvation. What does it mean for a person to be saved? And as you go through the book of Romans, there is a series of verses that Christians over history have often called the Roman road. And these verses, if you put them together, explain the, the story of salvation. This idea of the Roman road actually comes from the Via Appia, which was a 362-mile road that when it was built by the Romans, it connected the city to the sea, and it, it changed dramatically people's lives because suddenly there was easy transportation between the city and the sea. The same thing is true spiritually, that whenever we go down the Roman road and we embrace the truths that are in it, it can dramatically change our lives because we come alive in Christ. So as Paul asked this question, okay, what then are we to say about these things? We need to do a little quick tour of what he's been talking about that leads us up to this question. So the main idea of the book is found in chapter 1 where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. This is what my English teacher, Miss Worsham, taught me, the thesis statement. This is the thesis statement of the book of Romans, that as believers, we should never be ashamed of the gospel because it is the gospel that is the power of God to everyone who believes. And then Paul gets into the fact that it's not just for the Jewish people, it's not just for the people that grew up in church, but the gospel is for everyone, and the call of the gospel is to believe. Well, when you get to chapter 3 of the book of Romans, he starts dealing with the reality of sin. You see, it's easy for us to talk about the love of God and the grace of God and sometimes hydroplane over the reality that each of us have done things for which we need forgiveness. Everybody in this room, take a look around. Bunch of sinners, okay? You guys are just a bunch of sinners. We all, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. And Paul says in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When you move over to chapter 6 and verse 23, he talks about that the wages of sin is death. So the ultimate result of our sin is isolation and separation. That sin separates us from God. It causes the world in which we live to be uh, enslaved by sin and saturated with the realities of sin so that there is this decaying activity that occurs in life that that leads us to death. But then the story of the gospel is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the story of the gospel is not ultimately tragedy or darkness or death. The story of the gospel is life through Jesus Christ. 
And so as you continue through the book and you get to chapter 5 and verse 8, it begins talking about the, the hope that we have in Christ. And it says that God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now this is huge because Jesus didn't just say, okay, here's my truth, I'm going to throw it out to you, and now good luck living that. Jesus says, I'm calling you to believe in me. Jesus didn't say, all right, clean up your act and then I'll love you. Romans teaches us that God proves his love for us, that while we were still sinners, while you were still in the bondage of sin, Christ loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. As we move into chapter 10, of the book of Romans, and that's actually moving forward from chapter 8 where we are, but it begins to say, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word saved is a very important word in understanding Christianity because it means that you can be forgiven for your past. It means that you can have purpose for your present and hope for your future. And the scriptures say, that the catalyst to this is that we surrender to God in faith, confessing with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. I talked about Ray's baptism on Wednesday, and he's going off to the Navy today, and we're praying for Ray uh, as he takes those steps. I was contacted on Monday, and it was like, hey, Pastor, Ray, before he goes off to the military, wants to be baptized. I was like, well, have him come by. Let's, let's talk. So we've talked back in my office, and I asked him this question. I was like, Ray, have, has there ever been a time where you can just define this moment? This is when I confess Jesus Christ as Lord in my life. And he's like, well, I, I went to church here growing up. I, I've known about God. I've known about his love. But no, I really don't have that time. I was like, Ray, how about now? He was like, he didn't do that. He's more low-key than me. But he was like, yeah. And so, so right there in my office, he, he prayed the most beautiful prayer Trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord. And that's what Paul's talking about here, that, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, it's more than just a magical set of words. It's the believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. The end result of this is that you are saved, you are secure in Christ, and you are declared righteous and saved in Christ. And so we come to Romans chapter 8, this passage that we've been doing the deep dive in. And Romans chapter 8 began with these words, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is, ha is what you have when you have guilt without forgiveness. It is a destination point that is looming in front of you, and there is nothing you can do to change it. You just have a destiny. You're living your life on the treadmill of condemnation. But Paul says that in Christ, there is no condemnation. When God sees you in Christ, he sees you as his child. He sees you as righteous, as not guilty, even though you have done things that you shouldn't he sees you in Christ and you belong to him so instead of living your life on a treadmill of condemnation you're able to live your life in the freedom of grace knowing who you are and whose you are and where your destination is going to be which is in heaven the ground beneath you is secured by the grace of God and when the grace of God is your foundation you have security. And when you have security, you have identity. And when you have identity in Christ, you can go anywhere and be who you are, and you can serve the Lord no matter what's going on. You can bring joy to him.
And so the passage began with this idea that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the law of the Spirit of Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we talked about this idea. Let it wrap around in your mind. Let it soak in a little bit. Jesus condemned the condemner. Jesus condemned death. What this means is that Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. On our own, we can't overcome the reality of sin in our world. Is there a lot of injustice in this world? Do you ever try to do anything about it? I hope so. I hope you try to do something about it. Can you cure it? No. Is there a lot of death in this world? Yeah. In fact, we've had three deaths in our own congregation in the last couple weeks. I don't like that. I don't like that. There's nothing I can do about it. But Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He overcame death. You see, law demands justice. If you look at life through the lens of law, then you have to have justice. So whenever there's a sin, holiness demands that there has to be a punishment for that. And so as a sinner, the only hope that I really have is grace. I need God to do something for me that I cannot do for myself. And then Romans points out the fact that ultimately, though, I, I am too weak on my own to live in grace because my natural default is to go back to law. And law is one of these comfort zones because if we put everything in a measurable world, then we can measure our morality and we can measure our spirituality. And even though I'm a sinner and I fall short, if I put everything in this little nice little box that I can control, then I can look down on people and I can say, well, yeah, I do these things, but at least I'm not Todd. Yeah, I liked that note you hit. Oh, that was good. That was good, man. And so that's, that's what happens when we start trying to live by the law, uh, the, the, the rule of law, is we start becoming very judgmental. But when you compare your self-righteousness to the likeness of Christ, our sin glares at us in the heart's mirror. Look, if if you're trying to to do it on self-righteousness, you're going to fail because you're not good enough. None of us are. That's the point of the gospel. Christ's death resonates in your soul, and because of Christ, your guilt has found forgiveness. Because of Christ, condemnation now lies in the past. You're not condemned because of Christ. Shame has been replaced with acceptance. There are probably people that have told you all your life you're not good enough, you're on the outside, you don't belong. But Romans 8 teaches us that in Christ, that shame doesn't belong. Because you as a child of God can come before the Father and cry, Abba, Father. And he says, ah, that's the voice of my child. Can you hear it, my friends? It is the sound of divine resonance calling to you, whispering into your soul, saying there is more to life than just trying to squeeze out some enjoyment out of the moment. There is eternal meaning to who you are. Get off the treadmill that leads nowhere. Get beyond the temporal and realize there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You can be free in Christ. I've been speaking and teaching for 32 years now. Yeah, I'm 33 years old. But... uh, (laughs) 
Uh, it's the t-shirt, makes me look young. Uh, have I told you the story of the logo? Anyway, one of the things that I've come to value is a, a good question. A good question. If you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're an influencer, you need to learn how to ask a good question. Because a good question is the mind's portal. It opens our soul to new possibilities. Uh, the best questions present so many possibilities that whenever we arrive at the answers, the question is no longer the issue. You ever had that? Someone asks a really good question, then there's an incredible discussion, and whenever you reach the end, you're like, well, what was the question in the first place? I don't know, but I've learned so much in the conversation. Ask questions. Ask questions. Even if you think you already know the answer, ask questions. Because curiosity is a fountain of youth. And those of you that are aged, much older than I, no one even, like a half chuckle through the audience is about all I got on that. Those of you that are aged, those of you that have lived a little bit, don't ever stop asking questions. Don't ever lose your curiosity. Whenever you lose your curiosity, you go numb. And you start dying. It starts on the inside, and then it moves to the outside. Stay curious. Explore life. Swim in the depths and don't just snorkel. In verses 31 through 36, the Apostle Paul asks seven questions. Boom, 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 boom. Seven questions. Let's look at the screen here or on your Bibles, whichever one uh, is easier for you at this time. But uh, here, here are the questions. You'll see the numbers, and there, there's the questions. What then are we to say about these things? Question one. If God is for us, who is against us? Question two. That's where we're going to get to today. If God is for us, who's against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Question three. Who can bring accusation against God's elect? Question four. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and 